Welcome to another episode of the Cool Tools Show and Tell. Our special guest this week is Alex Marcy. Alex, would you like to introduce yourself to our audience? Sure. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, my name is Alex Marcy. I'm the president uh, and CEO and founder of Corsa Systems. Uh, we're a manufacturing technology company uh, focused on helping manufacturing companies automate and optimize their processes. Um, and I'm excited to be on the show today. Well, thank you. Um, I know you're a Cool Tools fan. That's kind of why you're here. Um, so I'm really interested in seeing um, what you have in mind for us. What's a tool that you would be loath to lose? Uh, so my first tool is a software package called Ignition uh, Maker Edition. Uh, Ignition is basically an operating system for manufacturing facilities. Uh, it's made by a company called Inductive Automation in Folsom, California. Um, if you've ever seen an episode of the show, How It's Made, uh, where they have an automated process where they're making something, um, you've likely seen some form of software like Ignition, if not this tool itself, uh -huh. uh, that the operators would use to run the facility. Um, so basically they're using it to set set points and run recipes and like run the equipment that's making whatever they're making at that facility. So uh, um, let's say, I don't know, um, is, is there a particular kind of machinery that this is targeted to or is it sort of at a higher level like i don't know let's say that i had a family business and we made um ball bearings um yeah. what would um would we be using this is or you know or or if it were a family business and we're making um granola what what, what yeah. t tell me how this is useful yeah so we have a like a a family-run company in Chicago that makes um, fittings and flanges for pipes, so like oil and gas pipelines. Um, and they use this software to uh, run their furnaces where they're heat treating the parts and uh, doing CNC machinings on the parts and things. And they have like one process where they have a, a robotic arm that's almost as tall as a house that loads parts that weigh up to like 1,200 pounds into CNC machines that are two stories tall and it machines them into uh, finished parts. And Ignition is used to uh, tell them the robots which part size they're going to run, and it loads into the robot to tell it where to go based on that part size. It goes in and it grabs the the part off a feeding conveyor belt, loads it into a CNC machine, and it tells the CNC machine uh, which operation to run for that part, uh, when to pull it out of that machine when it's done, flip it over, put it in a second machine for a second operation and machine both sides of it. And, and, and then how, we track. How does, okay. how does Ignite know all this? You said, uh, so we program. It knows it, how big uh, it is. You know, so it's like that, that's like a, there's a lot of um, yep. information needed to that. And does that, does it kind of require a programmer to program this? And if you yeah. change something, how do you change it? Yeah. So uh, Ignition you know, a lot of that information is stored in a database. So you'll have a database of all of the parts that we can make and all of our recipes and the specifications. We, we, we can make who's or any, one of our, our customers, like one of the manufacturing companies. Okay. Uh, so if we're looking at like a food and beverage company, it would be, we're going to make, you know, regular Oreo cookies. We're going to make double stuff Oreo cookies. We're going to make vanilla Oreos and all the different flavors they make. Uh, they would have a recipe stored in a database for all of those 
um, products. And then Ignition would connect to that database and it would know based on querying that database, what recipes exist. And then uh, a company like Vite is going to come in and program uh, Ignition to query that database and then talk to all of the platform equipment that actually all right. takes ingredients and does processing on those. And is your company doing the programming or is it that you yep. sell the software and the local business people do the programming? Uh, so we sell the software as a, a reseller and we also do the programming. Um, so we're working with the customers to understand how their process operates and what equipment they have and how we need to make this software talk to that, that equipment mm. to basically make what they're going to make. How much does the software cost? Uh, so the, the maker edition that I'm talking about here is, is free for non-commercial use. So that's geared towards people maybe doing home automation or like if you had a rural house with like a well and a pump that you wanted to track or to tie into like lighting or things, um, that's free. Um, if you get into the commercial side for like a manufacturing facility, um, the specific pricing is on their website, but you're generally looking in the, you know, five to six figures for the different modules and, and things, depending on the size of your uh, facility. It's then it's dependent on how, what's it depend on? So it'll be, uh, it, it's based on like server licensing. So you're going to buy a, a server instance of this software that will talk to some number of machines, mm -hmm. um, talk to databases and things. And if we're looking at a large scale facility, like the Tesla Gigafactory, they use Ignition, um, they're going to be looking at probably dozens of servers, mm -hmm. So they're going to be, you know, in the high six figures for their licensing cost. Um, if you're looking at a mom and pop type. A manufacturing facility, they'll have one server that can handle all of their different equipment and processes. Um, so you're probably looking more in the like ten to twenty thousand dollar range. So, for their... so this has to run on its own dedicated server. It's not like a, a cloud yes. or uh, they they do have cloud uh, options, and they also have uh, containerized options you can run in like Docker, uh, which is a popular container tool. Uh, but generally, companies will run it on site because manufacturing is geared towards. Uh, things running on site and they're reluctant to connect to the cloud for security and you know, IT type reasons. So let's go back then to the, the, the maker versions and the maker uses. How might a backyard or garage maker find this useful? Uh, so they would basically download that and then they can connect to, if they're using Arduinos or different microcontrollers at their house, um, that are Wi-Fi enabled or can connect with like a serial connection. Um, you can connect ignition to those. Um, there's also. But what, what do you get out of it? I mean, what, what, what what's the use case? What, oh, what's... Uh, so so it allows you to do all of the backend programming to get data into and out of uh, your controllers and your sensors, and it also gives you a front end. You can develop a web based uh, or a mobile app based uh, interface to view your your data and reports and trends. And if I want to open my garage door with my phone, I can put a button on my, my phone using ignition maker edition. Uh, I can click that button and my garage door will open up with right. you know, communication to it. So in, my, in that sense, you would be opener. competing with other smart home. Yeah. In a sense, I think it's geared towards folks like myself who do this or manufacturing companies that also want to, uh, 
use it at home. And it's also good for the inductive automation partners a lot with uh, colleges and universities to start training the, the next generation of the workforce mm -hmm. that's going to be doing this. And there's also a, a tool if you go to demo.inductiveautomation.com, you can see exactly what Ignition Maker Edition is capable of with you know, examples of things that they've done with their software or people have done with their software so, for so companies. You might say then Ignite is sort of like a um a a a kind of steroid version of a of a smart home software that you could kind yeah. of expand to include your workshop and exactly things like that but it has a similar yep. kind of uh excuse me it has a similar kind of um of uh overarching umbrella coordination of many different data types with many different kinds of devices yep okay so that's called ignite um so what's your second um tool that you'd like to share my second tool i uh, have one here is called uh an Arduino Portenta machine control. Okay. Um, so this is a an example of a like a home scale or you know they are used in industry uh, a controller like you might see that would run plant floor equipment. Um, but this is a a lower price point that is easy for somebody to buy for their house. So I don't know what a controller means in this context. I'm not familiar okay. with what it what it, or what I would do with a controller. Uh, so behind this this board here, there's a a small uh, a smaller board with a chip that is sort of like a, an Arduino like this, which is on steroids. Uh, I'm going to pause and try and describe this for the benefit of the people who are listening. So you're holding up the first one. Looks like a, kind of like a breadboard almost, uh, yep. electronic breadboard that's really small, maybe the size of um, two decks of cards, and. Yep. The other one, the Arduino, is of course about the size of a deck of cards, and yep. um, the first one has a two rows of uh, pin receptacles. I don't know what the technical yeah. term is. Um, yeah. So, and, but there's a so these allow you to connect electrical signals. Right. So I can connect um, temperature sensors here in the middle. So if I want to put a, a thermocouple that reads temperature in my house, I can plug that in, um, or things that are. Uh, discrete inputs and outputs, so on and off, or analog, which are uh, they give you a range of values. So if I want to open my garage door using this, I would plug in um, a wire, I don't know exactly where they are, but to the digital output that would send an electrical signal to my garage door opener to trigger it to open the garage door. Um, and behind this, there's a, a board that looks different than this, but is similar to this in concept where there's a chip on here that you can program uh, to run a, a set of logic or whatnot that will take inputs and and do things based on that. Um, so it's basically a computer that you can pro program that's configured to talk to these electrical signals uh, the and turn them on and off. Right. The controller that you're holding, which is about <laughs> two size of two decks of cards, um, yep. that does not have its own computing chip in it. That's more kind of like an interface or a control board that allows you to plug things in and plug things out. Is that right? Yeah. So this this front piece that has the green and orange uh, pins on it. Yeah. That's the the board. And then I don't have it. I've if you disassemble this, you would see behind here. Uh, there's a a strip that's about as big as a pack of gum um, that has the the computing chip on it. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so you do, but you do so, need an Arduino or something similar like to, to run it. It doesn't I, run itself. This comes with that. So this has an Arduino Portento, which is like their industrial scale version of of it, the Arduino it's Uno. inside the thing. Yep. Yeah. And it's just plugged here. If I unscrew it, you'll okay. see there's one on the back here. So this would be useful for somebody who decides, either going back to the idea of a smart home, that you yep. have a bunch of things that you want to control in your home. And you want to, um, you know, obviously it's like a garage door opener, but what if it was something like um, uh, a gate out front that you wanted to yep. be able to have dependent on um, uh, whether the sun was shining or not, whether it was daylight yeah. out. And then you could, you could do this complicated connection of having something actuated, a physical thing that yep. was, I mean, or maybe dependent on the stock price, you wanted to have something yep. go up and down the flagpole the flag would be up if the stock was up and down if the stock right. was down you could use a controller like that to to help you make yep. it. is that right yep exactly okay um and the you know i think people have talked about arduinos on cool tools before um i think the the benefit of something like like the uh machine control is this is more designed for the electrical signals you would see in a house um, so it's easier to interface this with the electricity in your house than this. Um, this is possible to do that, but you're going to have to deal with a lot more voltage uh, regulation and things. Right. Um, whereas this is geared towards being able to plug more directly into the wall and um, actually control things you would deal with in your house. Cool. And could you repeat the name of, of, of that um, unit? Yeah. Uh, it's an Arduino Portenta machine control. Portenta. Um, is that another brand? Yeah, so Portenta is um, how Uno is the model of the Arduino. Portenta is their industrial scale microcontroller. Okay, and um, about how much does that cost? I think this lists for like just over three hundred dollars US, mm -hmm. um, and it just there's one particular model you can buy um, from the Arduino website for resellers. And it looks like there's a, a number of ports, like it has like an ethernet port. Does it have a yep. HDMI port or? Yeah, so it has a ethernet, a USB, you could plug a USB stick in. Um, this is a communications port for uh, an I2C bus, which is a common uh, microcontroller bus. And this is a port for a Wi-Fi or a Bluetooth antenna. And this has Wi-Fi enabled as well. Okay, cool. Yes. That's a real so so that's a very maker um, item for those who are on yep. hack something to have their computer control something physical. Yep, and that par pairs well with Ignition Maker Edition because you can program Ignition to talk to this and use this to talk to your electrical devices at home or or whatever you need to control. That's great. Okay, it's kind of parallel together. So Alex, tell us your your third tool. Yeah, so my third tool is a lot more simple. Um, it's installed on my water heater, so I don't have one to show you. We can <laughs> pull up the website. Um, uh, I believe it's a Watts brand um, hot water recirculating pump. Mm. Um, so I live in a house that was built in the 1920s, and that was probably before they had the modern plumbing that they have now. So mm -hmm. uh, when they retrofitted with plumbing, they had to run you know, fairly large pipes throughout the house. And I found that like to get hot water from the water heater in the basement to the kitchen sink might take three or four minutes of running water to get enough uh, water flowing through the pipe to get the hot water up to the faucet. Um, so what this is, is this is a 
uh, recirculating pump that you install a pump on top of the hot water heater and then you install, install a check valve at the furthest away faucet from the water heater. So in the upstairs bathroom, I installed this valve and this basically connects the hot water line and the cold water line under the sink. And it allows the hot water to flow back through the cold system uh, or the cold pipes back to the hot water heater. So instead of having to get all of the hot water pipe that has cooled off in the morning, um, watch that with, with hot water to get, say, hot water to the shower. You know, we only have the little bit of cold water that's left in the cold water pipe, and there's continuously hot water um, circulating through the system. And so what happens if you want cold water at the same time? You have to... If you want cold water, that's the, the downside, okay. is it takes a little bit longer to get cold water. <laughs> Right. Uh, and 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 you put the ch valve check at the furthest remote part but is it sending hot water through the entire system even if you have another sink on another part it, it would depend on how your piping is is set up um if you had you know in more modern systems they pipe directly to a manifold that comes out so you're you're dealing with less pipe um, to begin with, in ours, it's a giant loop throughout the house. I see. Oh, I see. You have one continuous loop. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it could be if you have a, a a house where you have direct pipe back to a manifold near the water heater. This is a totally useless thing for you. Um, but if you're living in a house where you have a, a loop throughout your house, this uh, can help get hot water quicker. But it does. You know, I, I did find uh, after I put it in, getting cold water out of the refrigerator. They have like a, a filter in the door. Uh, you have to run that for a little bit longer. Otherwise, you'll get some hot water coming out of the fridge. <laughs> right, right, right. So. Um, and it's it's doing more than just adding pressure to it, right? It's not, it's, it's, um, it's short circuit, short circuiting, basically, <laughs> the, the loop. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And, and it has a timer on it. You can run it all the time. So it's continuously doing it or, uh, on the front of the unit, there's some switches. You can set a timer so it'll do it in the morning when you're trying to take a shower and when you get home and want to like sure. cook dinner or whatnot. And it looks to be about the size of a cantaloupe or something or yeah. approximately that size. And it runs off yep. 110 power, it looks like. Yep, um, exactly. Okay. So that's a, called a recirculating pump. Yep. Um Okay, so that's great. Um, how about your fourth tool for us? My fourth tool is uh, something my sister has used a lot with her children. Uh, this is a Scuttles brand uh, waterproof and sandproof blanket. So this is really good for if you're going to go out on a picnic with your sure. kids. Yeah. You can take this out and it won't get wet if you put it on wet grass. And you can also take it to the beach and sand won't stick to it. Wow. And it's made of what feels like really soft cotton material. It's like, uh -huh. feels like really, it, it almost feels like those microfiber fleece blankets. Yeah. That you would yeah. see like a target. Um, and it's like a very flat weave. I don't know if you can, how well you can see it on the camera, but uh, it's a flat weave that doesn't leave much surface area for sand to stick to. And I don't specifically know what it's made out of, but sand like will not stick to it at all. <laughs> It's like Teflon for sand, um, and it's a waterproof fiber, so it's huh. 
it's really good and it's it spreads out to probably like six by eight feet yeah here it's folded up and it has a little yeah. velcro flap on it yeah right so. now it's folded up into it looks like a briefcase yep. leather yeah leather briefcase. It's folded up and then there's a little leather patch that keeps it all yep um and is that hard to kind of refold is does it kind of have seams or um it looks it's pretty easy it's a little velcro i think see there okay there yeah it's got a velcro uh, tabs on it to keep it closed and you you do have to look to make sure you're pointing it from the right direction so that it will close the right way yeah uh, but kind of like with a map if you're you know one, once you folded it up a couple times you'll get used to how to do it so. right and it, it also it it has some advantage in that it, it does have this tidy um shape and form to throw in your back um your back trunk or or somewhere there um yep huh that's really cool and what's it called again it's a scuttles brand uh, s-c-u-t-d-l-e-s uh-huh. if you look on amazon there are other brands but uh-huh. you know this is the one my sister used and gave it to me as a gift scuttles extra large picnic and outdoor blanket and it's about yep. 27 dollars um that's a really cool thing yeah when we have an old grungy blanket that it does pick up everything sitting in yep. our in our uh, trunk and this would be much nicer uh, many ways okay that's cool well thank you alex those, those are really neat tools um things that we don't normally hear about so i'm really glad that you brought them up um tell us about yeah. something that you're passionate uh, about these days yeah um so just in general you know my company uh course of systems we're working to uh, take manufacturing into the future I would find most manufacturing companies are still stuck in the paper age and using clipboards um, and use the technology and, and systems and things that are you know a decade behind consumer technology especially with regard to security uh, so using modern automation tools and a human values based approach we uh, we're building a team of engineers to tackle complex problems in manufacturing uh, i think we do work that's vital to people's lives even though it's work that's really invisible to the rest of the world uh, because it's all behind the scenes. Uh, I think people are aware of automation and you know, maybe afraid of it, thinking it's going to come take their jobs. Uh, and I think in most instances that we're working on, uh, we're simply using automation and technology to make people's lives and jobs easier, safer, and less taxing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say part of our mission is to help build uh, the new workforce of people who can work alongside automation and robotics and any new technology that comes out to do what they do better and safer um, and that, help and how do you keep do employers oh. how are you doing that that part of helping people uh, uh become more adaptable and more comfortable with with automation so we spend a lot of time uh with our customers and our our team and you know people we meet in the industry doing a lot of uh, training and education on how to uh, use technology and think about technology as a tool to help you improve what you can do as a human um, not necessarily as a, a competitor to what you're doing and trying to take away your job. Um, a good example of that is, you know, taking away like repetitive uh, welding jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're a welder and you're kind of doing the same thing throughout the day, uh, like if you go to the like a car manufacturing facility, they have robotic arms that that weld the doors together. Um, so you can kind of remove the human from that and instead of having the person do the welding themselves, they can 
uh, program and manage the welding robots. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not taking away a job. It's just moving a job up, up the chain of technology a little bit. Uh, and, and in your own, in your own personal experience, when you install some of the kind of systematic software that you're trying to install <laughs> to companies and they do automate things that were pre- previously done by hand. Do you find that actually it is true that the people that used to do those things are migrated to a different job? Yeah. Is that yeah. your own observation? Yeah. yeah. I think what we typically see is, is most of the people that are working at these facilities are doing the jobs of a couple of people anyway, because they've adapted over the years to try and get as much done as they can with the resources that they have. So when we come in with these tools and technology to automate some of that, it's it's freeing them up to just kind of do one job and they don't have to be pulled in 20 different directions because the software and technology can help them uh, automate some of those tools okay. uh, and tasks, things that they're doing. Well, that's great. Um, and again, the the name of your company is, is what? Uh, Corso Systems. Corso Systems. C-O-R-S-L. Okay. And um, we'll have a link in the um, show notes for that if you can include it in um, the spreadsheet. So um, I appreciate your sharing your knowledge and your expertise with us and sharing your favorite cool tools. We really appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. And thanks for having me. Best of of luck with your um, mission to um, ease automation and facilitate it. I'm all for it. So thank you again. Yeah, thank you. This year, our Cool Tools blog will be 20 years old, which means we've been posting something new every day for 20 years. It's only possible because of the very engaged and knowledgeable readers and listeners like yourself. You've kept this place going, and we are very grateful for you. With this idea of 20 years in mind, um, we decided to try an experiment this year, and I'm inviting our guests and listeners to join me on our Cool Tool Show and Tell, which is the program that you're listening to right now. So if you feel you'd make a good guest on this podcast and have four uncommon tools that you'd like to share with us, um please sign up on our form on the website and we'll see about inviting you. You must be comfortable taking all, talking on a video and um, you need to have some tools that you can show. Um, we record on, as you know, on Zoom. We do a YouTube version, a visual video version of it, as well as an audible version. Fill out the form if you're interested and um, list your full four cool tools and we'll see if there's a good fit. The applications aren't guaranteed in any way. um, And we're looking at tools that are new to us and appropriate tools and um, whether the times will work for you. So um, we're really interested in hearing from people all over the world, not just in the US, although the tools have to be available online, easily available online. And, if you are a long-time listener, you kind of know what the definition of our tools are. They're very broad. They can be anything that's handy, from something in the kitchen to something you use to travel, to a workshop, 
to something professional that we may not know about. We're really interested in things that we don't know anything about. So um, this is an open invitation. We'll give it a try. If you think you make a good guess for this podcast, um, fill out the form. There'll be a link somewhere on our website. Um, and we look forward to, to chatting with you. Thank you.